in a world full of straight people. Aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. Folks, we are Dave Holmesless this week, or unhomesed, I guess I should say. But this episode is not without star power because I'm joined by a very special guest. You've seen him on The Real O'Neills and The Good Doctor. And he co wrote and stars in the new film Theater Camp, Noah Galvin. Hello. Hello. How was your day going? Set the scene for me. My day is good. Um, I'm living a very bicoastal life these days. Um, so I flew in this morning. Got very little sleep, but I feel refreshed and I'm raring to go. Which coast did you fly into? I flew from New York to Los Angeles and I'm now in beautiful Los Feliz. Ready to pod, baby. Love it there. Tell me what's in your current pop culture diet. Anything that you are obsessed with at the moment? I mean, a lot of things. The other two is something that is um, I find very sating uh, in a lot of ways. What else? I don't know. That's so hard. I've been seeing a lot of theater. Um, the Good Doctor, because of the writer's strike, The Good Doctor is on an indefinite hiatus. Um, right. So I am sort of just being, you know, Broadway wife at the moment um, in the midst of promoting our uh, our film. Um, what have we seen lately? What have we seen lately? That's a great, great question. Last night I saw Monsoon Wedding, a beautiful, beautiful musical at my favorite theater in New York City. Uh, St. Anne's Warehouse. Um, a couple of days before that, I saw Laurie Metcalf play a mountain lot lizard in the most incredible wig I've seen her in, um, <laughs> in a play called Grey House on Broadway. I saw that. <laughs> um, very spooky, very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, also, always a pleasant surprise when you see a play and you're not really expecting music. And it was very much a play with music. Um, maybe not, you know, maybe not considered a a musical perhaps, but, um, definitely more of a play with music than just a play. So that was a thrill. Um, and Sophia Caruso's voice is just gorgeous. Oh yeah. Um, glad to hear her back on a Broadway stage. Um, and I've seen Parade about eight times now. (laughs) And counting, or are you done? Oh, and counting, of course, and counting. I, you know, there's something I, I grew up with two older siblings who, you know, did a lot of like community theater, and I used to 
beg my dad to just go to the high school and like sit in the back of the theater so we could watch rehearsals. I, um, <laughs> I, I say I am uh, hashtag corny for the process. Um, I just love to watch something evolve and to watch a group of actors like slowly get to sink their teeth into something and slowly uh, let things, you know, grow and become that much more magical and find the little nuances and little gems here and there. That's, I think, my favorite thing about theater. Um, it's certainly my favorite thing about doing theater. And so as, as just a spectator, it's a delight. And I'm sure people know this, but a big part of the reason that you're seeing parade eight times <laughs> yeah, I'm is not that just stars... like I'm afraid. I'm not just like subjecting myself to a really dark tale <laughs> eight times over the last like. But six I'm months. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's worthy of eight viewings. But it also happens to star Ben Platt, who you are engaged to. That's right. So I'm curious, and you're obviously you know work together as well in the film. But are you? What are the discussions like after you've seen Parade the sixth, seventh, eighth time? Are are we ever getting into a notes area with each other, or do we have to like separate church and state? <laughs> we are very good collaborators. And you know, I come from a household of both of my parents were not like industry folk, but my mother was a documentary filmmaker in her early years, and my father was a failed actor um, who turned therapist, but we had we grew up in a very very creative household, um, and I think I think my siblings would say the same thing. That like after anything that we were in, our parents wouldn't necessarily like laud first. They would sort of just like jump right into not necessarily criticism, but a want to like pick it apart and talk about everything sometimes to our chagrin. And so this is, this, this is something that Ben and I have talked about because the first time I saw parade, I sort of just like went right for the jugular and wanted to like start talking about it, like go Oof. in. And of course a fight ensued. And basically at the end of that fight, I was like, okay, I have to learn how to like hug first slap second. Um, and then right before we fell asleep, I sort of like jolted awake and I was like, I am my mother. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I'm sure your approach was informed by just like a, an unspoken understanding that obviously he was brilliant and you loved his performance and everything uh, that maybe you thought you could skip over that. Yes, the, exactly. The first time. Listen, the kid is the best of the best. Of course. And you were obviously a theater kid growing up, but what was your experience? Did you go to theater camp? Yeah, so I did a lot of, you know, I grew up doing a lot of theater. I sort of just wanted to be like my siblings. And so I followed in their footsteps and did a lot of, uh, we had a performing arts center in, I grew up in Westchester County and there was a performing arts center called Northern Westchester Center for the Arts. And it was there and we did theater and my sister was in an Isadora Duncan dance troupe. Uh, my brother took all male, <laughs> took all male tap classes called Hoof in It. <laughs> and I, I did everything there. I, I, I danced, I sang, I act. And 
during the summertime, I, I started, I think when I was pretty young, I was probably like seven or eight, I started going to their like theater day camp and not just sort of like the town camp, um, Katona day camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first summer there, I did a production of Charlotte's Web and I played the Gander and I was terrible in it and I like forgot my line of course like the only one like pregnant pause in the entire production of Charlotte's Web was like you know my mom had run all my lines with me so she was like well aware who was fucking up on stage (laughs) Um, she had notes afterward surely I think I walked on stage yeah exactly I walked on stage like with script in hand my first entrance because I was so paranoid I was gonna forget my lines But then the next summer they did Oliver and I got cast as Oliver and I really rose to the occasion. Um, I even ended up uh, having my dad dye my hair because I watched the movie and I was like, Oliver's blonde. Oliver needs to be blonde. I need to be blonde. And so my dad like took me to, you know, like Target or something, (laughs) like a box of dye. And if you know how to dye hair, you can't just go from like dark brown to blonde with a box. Um, there's a bleaching and toning process that must take place first, uh, which we didn't do. So I was sort of like a orange, uh, <laughs> sort of like a strawberry blonde orange situation. Um, and then after that, I, I was also cast as Oliver again in our community theater production of Oliver. So it sort of became my bread and butter for a couple of years there. Um, wow. But yeah, I did. I, I did go to some some theater camps. By the time I was sort of at the age to go to a sleepaway camp. My sister, you know, had been going to Frenchwoods at this point for probably like four or five years. Um, I saw her in a production of Cats where there was the orchestra pit in the middle of the stage and they were sort of doing these like turn leaps uh, in a circle around the middle of the stage. And um, Mungo Jerry fell into the pit and onto the drum set. (laughs) No. Um, <laughs> yeah, really sad. But by the time I was sort of eligible and like, you know, emotionally, uh, you know, mature enough to go to sleepaway camp, I booked uh, the national tour of Les Mis when I was 10. And after that, I was, you know, on tour for a year and then would come back and then I'd, I'd book something else. And, um, there were a few summers in a row where we put like down payments on either French woods, Walnut Hill or staged, or I think those were like the three summers in a row, the three different camps. Um, and then I ended up getting a job and not being able to go. And at a certain point, my mom was like, we're hemorrhaging money for you to not go anywhere. <laughs> so I didn't really end up going to a sleepaway camp, but I did a ton of youth theater. Um, and theater camp is very much uh, born out of, uh, my collective of Nick Lieberman, Molly Gordon, Ben, and and Isa, you know, sort of collective experiences of, of youth theater and youth theater teachers and our experiences of, uh, you know, doing very, very important work. Absolutely. So after working professionally from the age of 10, what is high school for you? That's a great question. I... So I was just going to like regular, you know, New York State public school. I went to Katona Elementary School until fifth grade. And then halfway through fifth grade, ended up going on tour. And after that, 
you know, public school teachers have a, a very, very hard job as it is. And I was sort of adding an extra slew of problems to their plate in needing them to sort of send me like a special curriculum every week for my studio teachers who were teaching me on set. And so we decided when I booked Cirque du Soleil when I was 13, um, the school was basically like, we can't keep up with this. This is too much work for us. So you either have to like not take the job and just be in school and be a regular kid or take the job and figure out another way to educate yourself. And we told Cirque our predicament and they basically were, they were like, why don't we pay for a year of homeschooling for you? And so we had a teacher named Lois Yaroshevsky, um, who's still very much in my life, uh, who was the onset, I say set, it was Cirque du Soleil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was not a movie set. Um, my teacher, my, uh, they were called On Location Education is the, is the uh, company. Right. And Lois Yaroshevsky was a On Location Education teacher. And she homeschooled me for like a year but I was completely unmotivated and all I wanted to do was gab with her. Um, and she sort of just became my best friend. And so I, it, we quickly learned that like, I was not gonna, I'm not self-motivated enough academically to complete a homeschooling curriculum. And it was really hard. It was a lot of work. Um, and I was juggling and flying and, singing about snow at Madison Square Garden. I didn't have time for... Yeah, you had your hands full. Literally, your hands were full. <laughs> With multiple, multiple balls. Um, and I... So, yeah, so I did homeschooling for a year. And then I, like, went back to school for a bit. And then I booked another job. And then I, you know, went to, like, a tutoring center where I, like, was homeschooled during the day. And then I'd work at night. And I, I've basically done like every single type of schooling possible. Um, and it was hard for me to finish. I graduated when I was, I graduated high school when I was 19. I finally ended up at a school called PPAS in New York City, the Professional Performing Arts School, um, which was a school that was basically built for kids like me who could, who wanted to work and also go to school. Um, and they were wonderful. And I ended up graduating there when I was 19, but it was a slog. It was really hard for me. I always found that I was learning more being in the world and being in rehearsal rooms with amazing people like Tony Award winner, Michael Arden, um, and I were in a musical together. Betsy Wolf, Tony nominee, was also in that musical. Um, when I was 12 years old, uh, this musical called Ace, directed by Stafford Arima. And I just had all these like wonderful mentors, um, emotional mentors and, you know, mentors of all different kinds and artistic mentors. And I was learning so much more in these rehearsal rooms than I was in a classroom, you know? And by the time I was like in New York City and at public school, the New York State curriculum is is tricky in that it's built around these tests called the Regent exams. And so at the end of the year, you have to take this test. And if you pass the test, you go on to another grade. And if you don't, you get held back. And so these teachers are teaching to get these kids to pass a test. They're not teaching necessarily like what they want to be teaching. 
And so they were sort of like passionless. And I was, I felt that, you know, I'm a performer. I could feel the performance was not there from them. Their heart was not in the performance. And so, yeah, I wanted to be like out in the world. I wanted to be with the adults. I wanted to be like playing and creating and developing shit, you know? And very quickly you were with the adults. Um, when you were, I think, 22, you booked The Real O'Neills, which, of course, you know, family comedy based on a, a Dan Savage idea, runs on ABC for two seasons. And you're 22, but playing a teenager. And <laughs> the show, 15 years old. <laughs> you know, was it was kind of quietly revolutionary for its time. Also, your first big TV role and you know, a major moment in in a lot of ways for you. So now that some time has passed and you've done some living since then, how do you look back on that show and the way it was received? So fondly. I think there is an element of like the world, not quite, or at least the United States, not like quite being ready for something like that. It was very, very clear to us from the get that there was an audience and an audience that was desperate and thirsty for something like this and thirsty for this kind of representation. Um, yeah, I played like a young Catholic kid coming out to his, uh, coming out to his very, very Irish Catholic family. Um, yeah. And it was the first time I, you know, it was my first ever time on camera. I'd come from the world of theater and my mom had put such a large onus on theater being, you know, the highest, uh, the highest form of the craft. And I, I do agree with that. And I still feel that way. Um, but it, it, film and TV was just something that was not even in my, in my, you know, in my sights at all. It was something that was so, so foreign to me. And so when it happened, it like it rocked me and it was the most exciting thing that had ever ever happened and i moved to la and i had to learn how to drive and yeah i was 21 and like i didn't have a place to live here in los angeles so i lived in the guest house of jay ferguson the guy who played my dad mm. i lived there for a year and just sort of you know it was like trial by fire in a lot of ways my first time being on camera my first time uh you know, being the lead of a television show, my first time like singing and dancing on camera and not on a stage. Um, every week I had a different like fantasy sequence on the show. Um, I mean, it was like the greatest gift in the world. I utilized every single skill in my toolbox. Um, and I got to work opposite some of my favorite people I've ever met. Martha Plimpton is the end all be all for me. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh God. Um, you know what I just watched is the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. The, the four person film she did Mass. with Anne Dowd. Mass. Oh my God. Yes. Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. Um, she's one of the greats. Yeah, she's just, she, yeah, she really is. She's one of the greats. Um, and she can do it all. I don't know if you've ever seen her on stage, but she's, so freaking captivating um and like truly truly a transformational transformative actor um i got to play opposite her do comedy with martha that was like what a what a gift what a dream 
uh, Matt Shively and BB Wood, who played my siblings, we actually last weekend had our first like um, sibling hang as like adults for the first time ever in New York. They both came to New York and we had like a week of theater and getting drunk together as adults, which is exciting. BB Wood, full grown adult now, which is like wow. pretty, pretty wild. Um, but it was really formative and all of those people are, are very much still in my life. Um, yeah, I think of those times as like the beginnings and what a happy, happy beginning. Okay. So let's talk about theater camp. It, before this was a, you know, feature film that's taken Sundance by storm. It was a short that you co-wrote with Ben Platt and Nick Lieberman and Molly Gordon. Talk to me about how and why it started as a short. It started, theater camp sort of came about because there was this sort of magical little bubble of time. Um, I met Molly doing a workshop of a musical in Aspen, a musical called Alice by Heart, written by Duncan Cheek and Stephen Sater, the team behind Spring Awakening. Uh, and it was like an Alice in Wonderland inspired musical that they had written and I met Molly doing that and I I call Molly my first adult friend because I had been working a lot and I had lived in New York and I of course had like my friends from school and my family I have a big very close family um but Molly was like the first person I met out in the world that I quickly fell in love with and realized I like wanted her to be around. Um, and so soon after that, we developed a web series together that we shot that Nick uh, Lieberman directed and we never released it, but on it um, is where I met Ben. Ben played our like weird roommate. Uh, Beanie Feldstein played my sister uh, in a voiceover on a phone call. And I was very quickly introduced to Molly's whole community of LA people, of all of these kids that lived very parallel journeys I was living, but just on the opposite side of the country. Um, and we had all of these things in common. And so I tried my darndest to weasel my way into this friend group and I succeeded. And years went by and we were all working. Molly was on Animal Kingdom. I was doing Real O'Neill's. And then there was this little like chunk of time where I had booked Evan Hansen and I was going to be replacing Ben and Ben knew he wanted to leave. And so he was like exploring other options and was like freeing himself up to do different things. And the, us as a foursome decided we should like utilize this little overlap time. We were all going to be in New York where I was in rehearsal and his time at Evan Hansen was coming to an end. And Molly was, I'm sure doing something fancy um where we all decided to just like write something together and we all come from the world of theater um we all know it and love it and have been around you know self-serious uh youth theater directors <laughs> our entire lives and um we were like i think we're the people to like make something like this because we have um a reverence for the thing, uh, but we love it so much that like we know how to make fun of it, you know? And so we wrote this short and we needed to get some kids. 
And so we went to my high school, PPAS, and we did like a cow call audition and just improv with like a bunch of kids and they blew us away. And we cast a little collection of them and we just threw them into a rehearsal studio in New York City at Ripley Greer. And we sort of just shot this thing for like two days, um, very loosely with like a pretty structured outline. But, you know, we, we sort of just like, uh, we gave ourselves some boundaries that we could like play within um, because we all love to improvise and we found these kids that were just so game and so willing and so, so, so funny. And so we filmed this thing and it ended up being really great. And we sat on it for a while um, because we weren't really sure what to do with it. We knew we wanted to like put it online, but we were like, is it silly to just like put it on YouTube? So we sort of just sat on it for a long time. And then in the midst of the pandemic, we were like, why not just put it online? Like we have this thing, let's just release it. So we did, we put it out and people really enjoyed it. Um, and then it opened the door for us to turn it into a, to turn it into a feature. Um, and then we wrote that for another like year and a half. And now here we are. Here we are. And the kids are really spectacular. Are, are these a lot of the same kids from the short? No, sadly, by the time we are filming the movie, all the kids from the, the short, short were too old. Not all their anymore. voices had yeah. changed. Um, and so we had to enlist the help of uh, somebody who's been a champion of, of all four of us. Um, Bernie Telsey, who's one of my favorite casting directors in the world. One of my favorite men in the world. Um, he ended up producing uh, the inaugural like, stage production of the sort of debut production of Alice by Heart, the musical that Molly and I met doing um, at his theater in New York called MCC. Um, so we know him really well and he's a dear friend and he, he, uh, he helped us find these kids, him and his whole team uh, led by Christian Charbonnier. And they found the most amazing group of children for us. And the I, one of my favorite parts of the process was the audition process with the kids. And I think our producers were so, so, so fearful that we were asking these kids to improvise and asking them, we were asking a lot of them. And our producers were very fearful that they weren't, you know, their kids, you know, you know. Yeah. One day they're, you know, showing up ready to go. And one day they're like, no, I'd rather be swimming. And you're like, okay. Um, and we basically got to improvise with them. And it was all over Zoom. And they sent in audition tapes. And I mean, each one just made us either like cry with laughter or just cry because it was so sweet. Um, but we got to improvise with them. And we would give them prompts like, you know, you're a kid, you didn't do your homework and you're trying to convince your teacher like not to funk you out of school. And they would just take these little prompts and run with them and blow us as improvisers like out of the water because these kids have no, there's no facade, there's no filter. They just say whatever comes to their mind. And I think us as adults, we have all these like little barriers and walls and fears and they just don't have any of that. 
And so they would come to the table like so game, so ready to play, so ready to throw down. So much so that it like forced us to like level up, you know, as the adult cast. Yeah, it's a tall order finding those kids because a lot of them have to be able to turn in, you know, legit musical theater performances on stage and, you know, give these incredibly like grounded, natural reactions to everything that's happening when they're not on stage to the point that I sometimes I was like, I wonder if some of these kids are not in on the joke. Like, you know, that parts no, of it almost feel like thing. a documentary. They're all in on the joke. They're all yeah. geniuses. They're just geniuses. Um, yes, it's true. We were asking so much of them. And like, I mean, things that I would be so fearful of, like we not only asked them to like sing a song and we wrote like, you know, their initial audition was like dummy sides that we wrote for them. Um, just some like, you know, a scene, a little, a short like scene or monologue that they had to do for us. And then we had our choreographer, um, Maude Arnold, create like a, a couple different like 16 counts of dance that they would have to learn and then film themselves doing and send in. And there's like nothing that would have made me more fearful as a child than that. And these kids were so game, even the ones that like, you know, aren't necessarily like dancers. They all did it. They were all game. It was so, it was so amazing. So like heartwarming. Um, yeah. And they just, you know, they, they made our movies so that much richer and that much realer and that much more special, I think. And you play Glenn, which is also special because we're kind of seeing a different side of you a different character for you glenn is kind of an oddball wallflower he's the stage manager tech guy which is not my uh impression of who you are and you know meanwhile ben plays amos who is one of the camp directors and, and amos is almost like if quirky st Clair were young and got out of blaine missouri and had good taste you know and there's a world where you played that role but you did not. So how how did that all shake out? How did you decide that Glenn was going to be you? That's a good question. I, you know, in the short, I played a character similar to Ben's and Molly's. I played a sort of like self-serious um, dance teacher named Bradley Baby Bjorn. And honestly, like in our first session, in like trying to like crack what the larger format um piece based on the miniature short would be my first thought was like if we have molly and ben playing these two characters i personally wanted to bring another color to the to the table you know bring another shade of like the theater world to it so it's not all just these headstrong um like overly passionate people um but Glenn is overly passionate, just in a sort of like different, quieter way. Also, I don't think we often, you know, give voice to the, to like the stage hands, to the to the men in black, if you will, um, the men and women and the they she's and the, the gays she's and they's in black um, backstage. And so I I, I wanted to sort of bring one of those people to life because I've worked with a lot of those people. 
just as much as I have worked with, you know, self-serious directors and even more self-serious actors. Um, stage managers are people that I don't always get along with mm -hmm. because they are people that are in charge of keeping a schedule, keeping everybody, you know, on the ball. Um, I once worked with a stage manager who had a sign taped to the call sheets that said, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're five minutes late or something like that. And I was like, I was like, I just know we're not going to get along. I just know it. I'm were somebody you showing up five minutes early? Absolutely not. I'm not the most punctual. Okay. Um, you're very punctual today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a creative, you know, I'm a creative. Um, and at that point I was like in New York city, I was like biking around. I was like, you know, smoking weed, biking to work, just like doing the thing, you know, living my life as like a theater teen. Um, and so these are people that I, not, I, I, I don't always get along with because of the anal retention. And so I, I was like, you know what, maybe this will like open my heart to these people. Maybe it'll like make me appreciate what a stage manager has to go through a little bit more. And it absolutely did that for me. Um, and I also wanted, this is silly, but I like showed up the first day and I was like, I want an arc. And Ben was like, okay, you just want to like play a character in any movie ever. And I was like, no, I want to like really like start in one place and feel like a completely different character by the end. And, you know, without spoiling anything, I, I, I think we achieved that. And I think yeah. we did it well. That's right. Glenn gets to live out loud. So before you and Ben got together, what did dating look like for you? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd say, you know, when I was like 18 living in New York city, I like downloaded grinder. I think like on my 18th birthday, I was like, I'm legal. I want to like see this side of New York. I had been living in New York City since I was like, you know, from like 14. And I had never really got, you know, I had been like snuck into gay bars and things like that by like my theater friends, but I was a child. Um, and it was then that I was like, I want to explore this. And so I, I did and I like was dating people and sleeping with people of like all different shapes and sizes and um and then when I moved to LA to be on the real O'Neills is when you know I had like a really serious day job and I was working like 16 hour days every single day because I was starring on the thing I was narrating the thing I had fantasy sequences that I had choreography and vocal rehearsals for every day so I was incredibly busy and so that was the time where I started to like really date and really like find my type um but i was like a little twink so like the people that were interested in me were like daddies so i was like exclusively dating like men over the age of like 33 <laughs> at the age of like 22 and i had a fantastic time they were treating me amazing i was like the bell of the ball every night it was great um the abbey like threw me a birthday party <laughs> as like 20 as they should um but I had a ball. I had a great time. But it was it was when I got to L.A. and I started dating these guys where I was like, <clears throat> I'm so much more mature than all the kids my own age. I, like, have it going on. I have a steady gig. I got money now. I know how to drive. 
And so I was like, I want to date older people that will like, that I can, you know, that will match my like intellectual maturity. And I quickly found that I was sort of just dating like a bunch of man children. And even weirder, I was dating, I dated a bunch of people who were over the age of 30 and hadn't yet figured out their like sexuality. Um, I had a line on the real O'Neills where I went to a kid and I was like trying to figure out if he was gay. And the line was you gay bro. And I started using that in life as a joke, but it very quickly became not funny because a lot of people's response was like, <clears throat> oh, I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I you know, there's like a, a, labels or not, but I don't, uh, and I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like you are a 35 year old man. You're not out of the closet. What is going on here? And so I thought for a long time that I was going to end up with somebody older than I was because I was so mature. And, and then when you I also implied in one of those old interviews that you were dating guys that, you know, I don't know, might not have been into you otherwise, but you were on a TV show and you knew that was part of the cachet and you were like, I'm just going to have fun with this. These are not oh, people I'm going to end up with. Hell yeah. No, I was capitalizing on it. Absolutely. Which, why wouldn't you? But no one ever cops to that. Oh, absolutely. But that obviously shit. Going to the because... Abbey was like half the fun was going to the, going to the Abbey was that like people were like people knew who I was, you know. Yeah. There was like a piece of the puzzle that was already like solved for me, you know. Um, and I had a grand old time. Um. You know, but when I got back to New York. To do Evan Hansen, I think that's when, like, things, you know, Ben and I had, like, gone on some dates when we were younger, and I think we both recognized that, like, we really, really liked each other, and we were, like, a good match for each other, but being as young as we were, we didn't want to, like, spoil the connection or the friendship and like burn out too quickly. And so we like put it on the back burner, but it was always like, it was, it was ever present, you know? Um, and every so often it would like rear its head and we would sort of talk about it or have a night together, like whatever that looked like. And it would always be like, I, now is not the thing. Now is not the time, but like it always felt like home, you know what I mean? And then eventually yeah, eventually we just like both found ourselves in the right place at the right time or found each other at the right place at the right time when we were both like ready for something real and serious and committed. It's a beautiful love story. I have a lot more questions about it, but I'm getting pinged that we must let you go. Uh, everybody go see theater camp. It's so much fun. Noah Galvin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Homophilia is a World of Wonder podcast produced and engineered by the wonderful Renee Colvert. Our theme song is by the amazing Ben Wise. We want to thank the incredible Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Homophilia Pod and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts already. Thank you.